0: Have you ever found yourself asking God the question, why? Why am I going through this? Why do I have to wait so long? Why is this hard? What is the point of this? What are you trying to teach me? All of these questions tend to bubble to the surface when we are trying to conceive and it's been an extended period of time without the result that we're desiring, which is to get pregnant, to have a baby, to move on into motherhood. Or maybe it's to grow your family because you're dealing with secondary infertility. In today's episode, we're going to dive into a story from the Bible that I used to read all the time when I was a kid, which is just so crazy, but it truly talks about a little bit more with why, what is the purpose here that God is trying to do in our lives. So without further ado, let's dive in. Hey friends, welcome to the Waiting Well Podcast. I am your host, Courtney Dunker, and you are here because your journey to motherhood has not looked the way that you always imagined. It has held heartbreak, loneliness, and questions like, why me, God? I'm here to remind you that you do not have to walk this road alone, and here we can wait well together. Each week, I will share faith-based encouragement from my own infertility journey, provide information from guest experts on navigating infertility and conceiving, powerful testimonies, and top tips on stewarding your health and emotional well-being through this demanding journey. So if you are ready to take back control of your life, find peace with God, join the in-between spaces, and thrive in your waiting season, then meet me at the well, girl, Grab that warm chocolate chip cookie, a little bit of unicorn juice or iced coffee. We've got some intentional growth to do. Let's get it. Okay, so the Bible passage that I want to dive in today is Daniel 3, 14 through 26. And I'm going to kick us off by reading that scripture. Nebuchadnezzar answered and said to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the golden image that I have set up? Now if you are ready, when you hear the sound of the horn, pipe, lyre, fragoon, harp, bagpipe, and every kind of music to fall down and worship the image that I have made, well and good. But if you do not worship, you shall immediately be cast into the burning fiery furnace and who is this God that will deliver you out of my hands? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If this be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But if not, be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar because the king's order was urgent and the furnace overheated, the flame of the fire killed those men who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego fell bound into the burning fiery furnace. I'm going to stop there. And I want to talk to a few points here in this story. So number one, can you imagine you are sitting there and you are being faced with a life or death situation, and you have basically minutes to decide, seconds to decide what you're going to do. And without a shadow of a doubt, Shadrach, they answer to him and they say, we have no need to answer you, as if it's not even a question to them. And they confidently say that our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from this burning, fiery furnace. Do you hear the faith in that? Wow, to imagine sitting there and saying, "I believe that I can walk into fire and that God can deliver me from being burned by this fire that you are about to send me to." And how often are we quick to doubt God's ability to see us through our conception journey that's not even <laughs> as physically well, it can be physically painful, but You think of burning alive, like my flesh burning alive. I can't even fathom that thought. Like that just makes me want to throw up. And to imagine, like, to face that and to confidently say, God can stop that. I like, He is able, He is capable of doing that. And that goes back to the episode where we talked about knowing the difference between faith and trust, and knowing that trust is trusting God's character to follow through, to show up. For us, right? Not just that he can do it, but that he will do it, right? And so I'm sitting here reading this and I'm like, wow, do I have that kind of faith with my conception journey? Do I believe that God will and God is able? Or am I spending so much of my time with God wrestling him, questioning him, asking him why, asking him if he ever will change the circumstances? and doubting, allowing doubt to build up in my heart and my mind about what he is capable of when it comes to my conceiving journey. Where am I? What side of the fence am I on? Because I'll tell you what, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they were very crystal clear with King Nebuchadnezzar and they said, literally, he will deliver us. And even if he doesn't, we're not going to bow down and worship your golden idol. And I want a faith like that. I want a faith that says, I know that my God can do this. I know that my God can deliver me from this. Nothing has anything over my God. Like I think of that fiery furnace and I'm like, that would be really hard logistically. Statistically, if you walk into a fiery furnace, you're going to be burned up. Hence where it says that the people who, the soldiers who were bringing them to the furnace, they literally died. Just trying to put them in the furnace. And you're telling me that you're just sitting there and saying 100% confidence that God's going to show up. But we're looking at our, you know, I think one time I was given like a 3% chance to conceive. Like I heard that from a doctor, Josh and I's journey, a 3% chance to conceive naturally on our own. And I look at that and I'm like, God, I don't know if you can do this. The doubt was real do you see the difference in that faith? I want to be like these men. So here's a couple takeaways. Number one, this story shows us what it's like to be willing to follow Jesus without hesitation, worshiping him and him alone. A statue is like a totally easy thing to write off as like, that's wrong to worship, right? You look at a golden idol and you're like, yeah, I'm not going to bow down to that. That's silly because I obviously know that that is not God, right? And so we look at this story and it can be easy to categorize in their shoes that it would be an easy decision not to bow down to the golden idol. However, what's not easy, what we can sometimes blur the lines on in our present day circumstances is worshiping a baby, worshiping having a family, Worshiping a future that we expected, a lifestyle we believe we deserve, or worshiping because we just maybe it's like not worshiping. We just don't worship Jesus because we don't want to accept the potential pain that worshiping Jesus can lead to. So it's like if I am like fully surrendered to you, Lord, and I am praising you and worshiping you, that means that I accept these terms and conditions and I don't want these ones, right? So this whole concept of worship is being challenged here. And I think we need to assess, I need to look at my life and say, Lord, show me, Holy Spirit, show me where I am worshiping something else above you. Because that's what this story is about. It's about asking these men who are devoted Christ followers or devoted God lovers, because at the time, right, Jesus hadn't come yet, but they love Jesus, they're willing to follow the Lord and they're like, okay, I am willing my heart to be exposed and I will still choose God. When we are on this conceiving journey, I think sometimes it can get really blurry what we're worshiping because we, it's such an innate desire. Like God really does put that desire in our hearts as women to want to be moms. And I believe if you're listening to this, like you have that desire that's just like God given to want a mother and care and love something of your own, a little baby, right? But we have to be careful about these blurry lines. I looked up worship and I was like, let's just get a concept of like the definition of worship, because I think we have in our mind what we think it means, but I just kind of wanted to put some more context to it. And it was saying that worship means to declare worth, to attribute worth, or to put it in biblical terms, we praise God, we speak or sing about how good and powerful God is. And I think sometimes we can worship and declare worth, attribute worth to motherhood. That's definitely worshipped in our culture, types of motherhood, right? We have gentle motherhood, we have kind of the homesteading motherhood. It's it's all over social media to kind of market and niche down to specifically to motherhood. And we can put so much worth on that that we start questioning our worth as individuals, as women. I can't conceive. I feel shame. I can't conceive. I feel less as a woman. I am not pregnant, so I'm I'm not a mother. And you start feeling like you're not as worthy. And that's also just a lie from the enemy because we're worshiping a definition of worth that's created by the world. The Lord has never told us in scripture As women, that our worth is solely found in mothering. It is a blessing to mother. It does mention that children are a blessing, but God has been very clear to identify and to point to our worth being because He created us. We are His precious possession, regardless of if we ever become a mother. So our identity has been established through Christ. We don't have to question our worth as women on this journey of trying to conceive because we're simply not mothers yet. We can truly worship, declare worth, attribute worth, speak, sing about how good and powerful God is without him ever answering that prayer to become a mom because our identity is through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So when we look back at kind of identifying and going to the Lord in prayer, which is what I challenge you to do, go to the Lord in prayer and say, God, show me what I'm worshiping. What am I declaring worth to? What am I attributing worth to that I am placing above spending time worshiping you? Because on this journey, there will be different seasons. There were definitely seasons where I was prioritizing More worth in becoming a mom because I just was like sinking and questioning my worth, right? That was me putting too much worth into becoming a mom because I was in a downward spiral around my own worth. And that was built off motherhood instead of, you know, who I am as a child of God. So the second point that I want to dive into is that the enemy looks for multiple ways of tempting us. It's not just going to be. One temptation, you pass the test, and you move on, right? If we look back at the story, it says that Nebuchadnezzar, like at the start of it, he was asking them. A second time, a little context backstory of this verse is that these three men were kind of favored by Nebuchadnezzar, and there was other, you know, people within the king's the king's cabinet, if you will. I feel like that's the best way I can describe it, but they're all connected to the king, they all work for him, and there was people that were jealous of them. So they recognize that these three are not bowing down to the golden idol as everyone was commanded to do. So they report or they basically like tattle on Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. When Nebuchadnezzar finds out about this, they are given a second time. And that's where the story picks up where they're said, now is your chance, bow down to the idol in front of us or else death. And I think this is just a great point here, is that the enemy is going to look for multiple ways of tempting us to bow down to other things besides the Lord and his plans for our life. It's not going to be one time standing up for what we believe to be true. It's going to be a consistent spiritual battle. And I think this plays out in several ways with trying to conceive because it isn't a black and white, written in scripture, here's exactly how to handle this specific situation. Truly, this is a walk of faith, prayerfully trusting God on your conceiving journey to show you and your spouse decisions as you come walking into them. What does it look like to obey God in this decision? Is he calling us to move forward? Is he calling us to pause? Is he calling us to turn back around and go in a different direction? What is he calling us to do? And I believe that each couple is meant to navigate that in a different way than the couple next to them. We could be going through the exact same scenario and be given different answers. For example, with our story, for like five years, we had no, no, no on IVF. We just had no, I didn't have peace about it. I really felt like it was not the time. It was we, The finances were not like 100% there. The timing wasn't right with Josh's basketball career. And we just had no peace about that specific direction. And that was us truly feeling like if we had moved ahead and rushed ahead because we were worshiping becoming a family and becoming parents and X, Y, and Z, right? We go back to that first point. If we were doing that, and we had made that decision to rush ahead of God's plan for our life and done IVF, I believe that in that season when we had not been released yet, it would have been disobedience because we are given the Holy Spirit. When we believe in Jesus Christ, he left the Holy Spirit as a deposit in our life and he guides us. And I believe the Holy Spirit was telling us that it was no, it was not yet. It was not right now. There was not peace. There was not open doors. Like all of the things lined up and I have an episode that talks about basically like how we navigated that decision but ultimately at the end of the day we felt like it was disobedience to move without God in that specific decision and there was even a time when we had moved to Hawaii and the first time we were going to pursue IVF we had a completely closed door like I thought it was a go it was a green <laughs> and then I showed up for my very first appointment and nobody was in the office at all. Turns out that something crazy like emergency had happened and the doctor who flies over from Oahu to Maui to do the visits was not able to come. And the lady who was relaying the information to me was like, this has never happened before. Everyone got contacted. I guess you got missed somehow. Anyway, all that to say, it was clearly to me a red light that I was like, okay, this was not meant to happen. We still do not have the go ahead to move forward with IVF. The second time that we got the green light, I remember sitting in the office because Josh and I would just revisit the conversation frequently and just touching base and basically having the conversation of like, should we pursue anything? Like, where are you at? Where am I at? All those things, just getting on the same page every now and then. And when it came back up, I'll never forget, I was sitting in my office at work one day and I just was overwhelmed with emotion because I felt like the Lord was like, it is time to move forward with this. I know that you're afraid, you have your own fears, but I'm telling you that I am in this and now I'm moving with you forward into this. And so it was like that obedience step where we had the release from the Lord to pursue IVF. But at the end of the day, us as a couple need to stay committed to what we do know is black and white through the whole conceiving journey. There are some pieces of the puzzle that are black and white for us according to scripture. Number one is the preservation of life. Believing that life begins at conception. And that's biblical, right? And so... As we navigated these decisions, it was not just obedience to what we felt the spirit was leading us to, and making those decisions as they come, whether it was stop, go ahead, pause, turn around, move in a different direction, whatever. And then the black and white cases of it, and and making those decisions with the acknowledgement of like this: these are our boundaries. We're not going to go outside of these boundaries as we do this, and just knowing that the enemy is going to look for any opportunity to distract us to get us to make a decision that is not of the lord and that's why we need to be actively engaging with the holy spirit that he has given us and that's the cool thing is like the holy spirit's our helper right but if we're not going to engage with him and asking him to move to speak to be with us to give us wisdom to show us what he what god's will is for us we're not opening that door to the helper that we do have access to Christ. The third point is knowing that our testimony can change everything. Working out our relationship with God is part of working out our salvation. It's kind of like conflict resolution is kind of how I view it. Like, I feel like conflict comes up when you're trying to conceive because now you're starting to like have questions about God and you just like you just kind of have beef because you're just frustrated like what is going on and why are we where we're at? And we actually talked about this in our master class that we had a couple weeks ago and actually the master class is now available to purchase the replay and watch the master class and go through the homework and have a follow-up email from me you can actually purchase that for just $37 down in the show notes. You can click that link, get access right away to the class that we hopped on. But basically, we dove into our emotions within your trying to conceive journey because there are so many feelings that come to the surface. Not all of them are true. And we do need to take every thought captive and make it obedient to the truth, which is what Jesus has commanded us to do. And that's where we find peace. So, on that masterclass, I basically teach you how to get there and how to identify those things. So, anyway, back to point number three is that if we keep reading here in this story, we see that King Nebuchadnezzar is actually watching. So, they go in there and they're being burned up by the fire, not Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, but the soldiers were. And he rose up and he went as close as he could. And he said, Did we not cast three men bound into the fire? And they all said, It is true, O king, we did. And he answered, I see four men unbound walking in the midst of the fire, and they are not hurt. And the appearance of the fourth is like a son of the gods. Nebuchadnezzar came near to the door of the burning fiery furnace. He declared, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the most high God, come out and come here. They came out of the fire and the satraps, the prefectors, the governors, and the king's counselors gathered together and saw that the fire had not had any power over their bodies of these men. The hair of their heads was not singed. Their cloaks were not harmed. No smell of fire had come upon them. Nebuchadnezzar answered and said, blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and delivered his servants, who trusted in him and set aside the king's command and yielded up their bodies rather than serve and worship any god except their own god. Therefore, I make a decree, any people, nation, or language that speaks anything against the god of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be torn limb from limb, their houses laid in ruins, for there is no other god who is able to rescue in such a way. The king then promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. Okay, is that not crazy? Like, Not a hair on their head was singed. The Lord had not only unbound them, but protected them in the fiery furnace. That is their testimony. Because of their testimony to stay faithful to God, to trust in Him, we then see that not only can King Nebuchadnezzar proclaim that God is the one true God, but then He promotes them into a position of greater authority and higher power. That's their testimony. Like what can your testimony trying to conceive and the way that you are working out your salvation, the way that you are working out your relationship with God and what you're feeling, that trial by fire, who can that impact in your network, in your, you know, the nurses that you interact with, the doctors that you interact with, family members? Showing people who Jesus is through our faithfulness and trust to walk with him even into the fire. Because we know that the testimony of being able to show people who Jesus is is greater than avoiding any pain for the sake of losing souls in the kingdom of heaven. At the end of the day, that's our calling, right? Right. So how incredible is it that not only did they trust God to show up and know that he was able, Jesus did show up. He was in there with them, protected them, not a hair on their head. And as a result, the king was able to then worship God. So that domino effect is huge. But then he makes a new decree about this God and then he promotes these three. They went from execution to promotion in a hot second, literally hot, right? Isn't that wild? Like, what can your testimony do? Which leads us to the fourth and final point. What's on the other side of your faithfulness? What's on the other side of your faithfulness? These three men went into the fire in a foreign land after being refugees. Babylon is not their home. They're Hebrew. And they went there, and they're living there already, existing in a culture that is not their own, navigating it with such grace to stay faithful to God their Father, who they know to be the one true God. They are faced with a decision of life or death, and they choose life with Christ, (laughs) physical death, here according to human standards. The Lord protects them. God shows up in a way that no one has ever witnessed before. And the king is able to then promote them, but also worship God. It went from a position of like being tempted to worship the wrong thing to now a domino effect of more people worshiping the right thing. And so I just asked that question, what's on the other side of your faithfulness? When someone sees you being faithful to the Lord, no matter what, on your high mountaintop or in your lowest valley, you're being faithful to God, not just because of what He might give you. These three men did not go into that fiery furnace thinking, oh, God will probably save me. And then I'm going to get promoted in my job. It's going to be great. They were not thinking that. They were not even thinking of getting anything from God other than protection and deliverance. And honestly, they probably went into it like, great, can't wait to meet my maker. Like, here we come, death. You know what I mean? But God had so much provision on the other side of their faithfulness. Sometimes we look at the fire and all we see is the heat. All we see is the pain. All we see is the destruction and the death. Maybe that's what you see, and the fire represents your trying to conceive journey, and you're just looking into the eyes of your journey, and you just see destruction. You see pain and suffering. What God is trying to show us here is how to shift our attention to be like these three men looking into that fire and seeing their future, seeing God's faithfulness, seeing God's goodness, seeing an opportunity to worship their God, In a way that is going to be unique, that no one would ever worship a golden idol for. And they are walking into it and they're saying, Lord, I know that you are good. I trust on the other side of this fire is something good, whether it's heaven and I meet you face to face, or it's a gift of just your protection, right? Like I think they were looking at the fire that way. They weren't afraid, they weren't intimidated. They were walking into that with their heads held high because they knew who their protector was. They knew who the creator and the giver and the taker of life was. They went into it with their eyes seeing fire for what it was and knowing that okay, my God controls fire. He is sovereign over fire. I don't have to fear fire. Same thing with our conceiving journey. You can look at it and say I don't have to fear being Childless. I don't have to fear never becoming a mom because I know who is the creator and the giver of life and I trust his goodness. And I just want to ask you, like, what could be on the other side of your faithfulness? I never in a million years would have ever thought that Josh and I would be staring down the barrel of welcoming baby number two. Two kids in two years, like that just. We went from never conceiving for six years to now being two kids in two years. What's on the other side of your faithfulness? The journey of being faithful to God, no matter what, knowing his word to be true, that when you are trusted with a little bit, he's going to trust you with much. These men were given an opportunity to be faithful to God, to witness to who he is, his character to be a witness of that. They trusted God's character. That's why they walked into the fiery furnace instead of choosing to bow down to the idol. Are you trusting God's character for him to be who he says he is? Because their decision to do that was able to prove that God was true to who he is. He delivered them. And they were able to be promoted in a job (laughs) like okay, I thought I was going to die today, but now I'm overseeing a very important job. Like, okay, here we go. Moving on, on to the next. So I just imagine, what does God have for you? At the end of your valley. That's why we named Highland, Highland, because she was our Highland. She was the end of the valley, our high mountaintop experience. It was what was on the other side. She was the other side of our faithfulness. And now we're about to welcome baby number two in a couple of months. I want you to have the hope that there is another side to your faithfulness. There's another side to this valley. And the Lord is going to see you through just like he did. He's showing up every single day. Even when you don't feel it, ask him to show you where he is. Because he can literally walk you through this valley without a single hair on your head being Singed. That's what he can do with your journey. He can protect you. He can guide you. He can love you. He can pour into you and provide for you. But it's our decision on how we approach it. It's our decision on how we are walking into the furnace. Are we being willing to follow Jesus without hesitation, worshiping him and him alone, not worshiping other things above him, including becoming a mother? Are we prepared for when the enemy is going to give us temptation after temptation? Are we navigating this journey with the Holy Spirit guiding us each step of the way? Are we looking at our testimony and saying, Lord, who is going to be impacted by this? I am ready to have conversation. I'm ready to be used on this mission field within the medical field. I'm looking for opportunities to deposit your truth amongst the people that I meet on this journey. And I'm trusting you that there's another side to this faithfulness. On the other side, I will see what you have for me. Just like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were pleasantly surprised by the Lord's faithfulness and generosity after the furnace. I believe that you will be generous with me after my valley. This is the hope that we have. I am so glad that you chose to meet me at the well today if this episode inspired you changed you or blessed you in some way i would love for you to do one of two things first head to apple podcast at that link below and leave a review and second screenshot this episode and share it in your stories tagging me at sewn with strength or text it on over to a friend that this episode might bless these are the number one ways to thank me I am truly so grateful to be building out this community and I cannot wait to see you on the next episode until then go get a workout done for me and I will see you right back here at the waiting well podcast.